And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Good afternoon. Welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, and today we're going to be talking with Joe Rosny, a partner at the accounting firm of Michael Silver and Company, regarding giving to Caesar what is Caesar. I'm an attorney and a partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys who focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, nonprofit administration to religious freedom. You can find out more about us by going to malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or calling 312-726-1243. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook to keep up to date on developments in faith and the law. When we talk about giving to Caesar what is Caesar's, we are, of course, of course talking about Jesus' answer to the question about whether it was right for God's people to pay their taxes. Our tax season is coming up, and I invited Joe Rosny on to talk about how Christians should act regarding this legal obligation and what they can do to save money. Joe, first tell us a little bit about Michael Silver and Company and the services they provide and what you do there. Uh, Michael Silver and Company is a CPA firm that is located in Skokie. Uh, It's about 70-some-odd years old at this point. We've been uh, serving the community for many, many, many years. Uh, we, I, I am a tax partner at Michael Silver. I've been there for 24 years. And uh, we serve the entrepreneurial community, the uh, high net worth individuals, just normal individuals uh, with their tax needs, their accounting needs, and uh, whatever else they might come up with. All right. And uh, what's the most important thing that Christians should know about their income tax obligation? One of the things that is often, I will say, forgotten or neglected is uh, their charitable intentions often get forgotten. Uh, they, for, they forget what they can deduct, and uh, some of the actions in many cases that they already perform uh, don't get their fair due when it comes to tax time because they don't put down as deductions, all the things they're entitled to. All right, can you give me an example? An example is uh, probably the most ignored is the uh, charitable out-of-pockets. You are donating your time and effort to a charitable activity. Your Probably the most prominent example is driving around for Meals on Wheels or uh, coat drives, and you're driving around and doing things that are with a charitable uh, purpose. Uh, The IRS allows you 14 cents a mile for all the miles that you drive for charitable uh, activities. And that includes going to and from the charitable charitable event. Uh, One of the other related items is if you come out of pocket, you're buying uh, tablecloths for the church dinner, for example. Uh, 
uh, and or other supplies. Those are all deductible, straight up. Whatever you paid for the item is going to be deductible uh, if the item is going to charity. Uh, all right. Well, that's great, but uh, I'm preparing my 2016 taxes now, and uh, how am I going to remember how I – uh, how much I drove for that Meals on Wheels program. We live in a wonderful time for that purpose. Uh, we have technology at our fingertips that were not there, that was not there 10, 15, 20 years ago. We have our calendars. Many of us use our cal- use the phone calendars. We go back and see what we did, where we did it. We can look at uh, that diary and say, oh, on such and such a day I was driving around. Uh, those of my friends and colleagues I know that do Meals on Wheels have a regular route. You can go to Google Maps or one of the other apps and retrace your miles uh, and and estimate estimate what, within your best ability, what you can do. But you do have to authenticate or, or document uh, you, these kinds of deductions, right? Absolutely correct. You'd have some kind of log, and even if you're going back in time and going back to January of 2016 and rolling forward, keep the records of what you come up with. You find out that you've been driving, we'll keep picking on Meals on Wheels. You you drive two times a week for Meals on Wheels, and your regular route is, or your frequent route is uh, 27 miles. Well, that's times 52 weeks is a fair amount of change for charitable deductions. All right, and that's looking back, but then if if we're planning on taking deductions for 2017, what should we do now? Uh, again, I put you back on the, uh, on, the, on the logs, your calendar. Keep track in your calendar what miles you put in. Uh, probably the best is to log the odometer reading when you start your trip and log it again at the end of the trip. Uh, you always have the uh, technology to fall back on if you have to go reconstruct it at another time. Okay. And as far as your out-of-pocket expenses, what do you need to do to document those? Uh, take the receipt from whatever items you bought, whether it's uh, Pampers for the uh, for the un- underprivileged or uh, or the tablecloth for the church functions. Uh, just keep the receipts right on the receipts. Take out a pen, right on the receipt. Old technology. Uh, this is what I did, and put it in a folder. Uh, we've got one in our drawer at the desk upstairs, and that's exactly what we do. We take all of those receipts and just throw them in the folder during the year and add them up later. Kind of put them in a shoebox someplace. Yeah, shoebox works. Uh, <laughs> anything works. Anything where you can contain the mess. Okay. Which brings up another thought in my mind. Sometimes you were talking about when you actually buy something for the church or for the charitable organization. But what if the charitable organization is going to uh, reimburse you? Is there a way to save on uh, sales tax when you make those purchases? Ah, if, the, if the organization is going to re- – the best thing you can do ahead of time is if you get the charitable organization's exempt letter. Now, we're talking about Illinois-specific, but each state has similar rules. You take the uh, get the charitable organization's exempt letter from uh, that they have been issued from the state, and take that with you to the Jewel, the Walmart, or wherever you are you're shopping, and show that to the cashier, and that exempts you from sales tax on that purchase. And and that's a way of helping the churches 
money go further because Absolutely. they're not paying taxes. And frankly, whether they're reimbursing you or not. If I, uh, for scouts frequently, what I would do is go shopping for uh, the food for the activity. And I would take the BSA exempt letter out to the grocery store, use that, exempt the meals from sales tax because that scout camping activity was an exempt function. I ended up not paying sales tax for what was my turn to buy. And and uh, you also were able to deduct the actual cost of the correct. meal itself. Absolutely correct. It makes my dollars go a little further that way. Right. It's kind of a twofer. Absolutely. Okay. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of Malkin Baker in Chicago. You can find out more about us by going to malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com or calling 312-726-1243. And uh, in terms of, uh, uh, can you think of any other ways in which, uh, any other common ways of out-of-pocket expenses or those kinds of uh, things can be deducted or that you, sh- that you should really think about? There are other ones that it's not so much out-of-pocket but out-of-closet. Um, I recently lost some weight. I have a bunch of clothes in the back of the closet that don't fit anymore, so those went off to Goodwill, Salvation Army, the church, the coat drive. We did a lot for the coat drive this year, uh, and it's a matter of logging the items that you gave, uh, probably the most underutilized that I see is when I get from uh, clients and it says, oh, I gave five bags, maybe $20 a bag or $50 a bag. It's an understatement of what that value is to that resale shop. Uh, when you find that the resale shops are selling shirts for 2 3 $5, uh, pants for 5 or $7, uh, that's the value you should give to the clothes that you're throwing into the the bags that you're counting for your front porch brings the ba- the value to each bag up significantly from what most people guess. So what I recommend is uh, making a list, get out a legal pad, write it down. Uh, there are those that pro- promote taking a photo of the pile of clothes that goes with it. I think that's probably a good idea. It's something I have and I never remember to do until after the clothes are gone. But you add the, all that up, and you take the slip that you get from the charity, put it all together, and you've got your dollar amount for your charitable deduction. Um, that's just taking things that you have around the house. Well, that's good. And what if you're the, the charity and you're asked to uh, provide a value? What, what is your obligation? The charity only has an obligation. That's an important one. Uh, if, you, if you're donating or if the charity receives more than $250 for the year, not for each donation, for the year, the charity is obligated to send you a letter, give you a document that says how much uh, you gave, or not so much how much you gave, is that you gave. If it's cash, they write down how much cash you gave. If it's property, they write down what the property is, but they're not obligated to value that property. Uh, they are only out, uh, obligated to tell you that uh, you gave property, and that you receive nothing in return except perhaps an intangible religious benefit. All right. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Coming up, uh, we will be talking further about saving money on your tax obligations with Joe Rosney of Michael Silver & Company. I'm Whit Brisky, and you're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio.
Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky, partner of the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Joe Rosny from the accounting firm of Michael Silver and Company. This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio, and you can contact Malkin Baker at M A U C K B A K E R or call 312 726 1243. Tell me, Joe, in the last segment, we uh, were talking about ways in which uh, you can pay Caesar what is Caesar uh, while still legally saving on your income tax obligations. What about general charitable giving and how you can save money there and particularly increase the savings? Uh, my, my favorite uh, increased savings is what I affectionately refer to as double dipping. Uh, where you've got long-term uh, capital gain property, IBM stock or uh, Amazon stock, for example, in your portfolio, there's a significant difference between your cost for the stock and today's much higher value for the stock. If you choose to give that stock to charity in lieu of cash contributions, uh, you don't pay tax on the gain. So if you've got, for example, a stock that today is worth $10,000, but you bought it five years ago for 1000 bucks, that's $9,000 that you're not paying tax on at the same time that you're getting a $10,000 tax deduction. It makes your uh, charitable dollars go way further at that point. Uh, and you just have to take the time to look at your stock portfolio, look at your planned giving, and uh, choose to give the stock instead of the cash. Uh, most every charity I've come across knows how to handle those. It just requires a little bit more work than writing a check. Well, if you're if you're used to buying and selling stock, it shouldn't require that much more work, does it? It's just coordinating with the charity what what account to catch it. it it's it's easy to write a check and uh, throw it in the collection basket. Uh, if you're giving stock, you have to contact the charity ahead of time, find out where their account is to receive the stock, and then you send a letter of direction to your broker to give that stock from your account to the church, to the charity's account. And it really doesn't cost you any more than the value of the stock, which you would otherwise have given in, in a check. Correct. You're going to give $10,000 either way, and I generalize across a year uh, or however long. And uh, it, it it's costing you nothing. You're gaining the income tax that you would have paid on the appreciation. Property does have to be long-term. You have to have held it more than 12 months. Okay. And is there any particular time of the year when you have to do that? A lot of people do that right at the end of the year. People do it right at the end because they're talking to their accountants like me and they're saying, did you do it? Oh, God, I forgot. Uh, and so they uh, will turn around and make that donation at that time. In the meantime, they've been giving weekly or monthly, uh, and they've been using cash for that. Uh, what I'm suggesting is we're, we're talking here at the beginning of the year, work on it now. Uh, make the arrangements with the charity, make the arrangements with your broker, and uh, spread it out. Okay. Well, I'm not an investment advisor, but it I suppose it makes more sense to sell high or to give high than to low. Well, most certainly. If, you have a, if you're running a loss on a particular stock, on a particular investment, I would never give that charity. I would, give, I would let that get sold uh, and deduct the loss. All right. 
And uh, are there other ways in which uh, you can use a stock portfolio or investment portfolio in order to increase your, uh, uh, your charitable giving while saving on taxes? Many of us have IRAs, and one of the things that was recently made permanent in the law is the for those that are over 70 and a half that have to make minimum distributions from their IRAs, you can't leave it there forever, uh, there's an allowance by the, by the feds that now let us take the IRA that we're required to take, that minimum distribution, and give that off directly to the charity without taking the check yourself. What that does is it reduces your adjusted gross income. It doesn't increase your adjusted gross income on which many deduction limits are fixed and bypasses that and the charity gets the deduction. Effectively, you're getting a charitable deduction without having an itemized deduction for it, which is more benefit for it. Uh, I, I mentioned the over 70 and minimum required distributions, but it doesn't have to be over 70 and it doesn't have to be only your minimum required distribution. All right. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Whit Brisky of Malkin Baker. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about saving money legally on your income taxes with Joe Rosni, a partner at Michael Silver and Company. Now, are there any limits to how much you can give to charity at any one year? There are three important limits. One of them, the, the most prominent, is for most charities, your charitable giving deduction is limited to 50% of your adjusted gross income. That's the number at the bottom of page one for those that are looking at the tax form. Uh, very few people ever reach that limit, but it happens. There is a 20% AGI limit for donations to a private foundation. That affects mostly those that have private foundations. Uh, and in between, there's a 30% limitation 30% of adjusted gross income for those giving appreciated property. So if you're giving a stock donation, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, that deduction is limited to 30% of your income. Most people don't reach those heights with their charitable giving. So what is if somebody wanted to come to you for advice on um, uh, taxes, when is the best time to come to you and talk to you? Like April 14th, maybe? April 14th is the least popular, is, is I won't say least popular, it is uh, the least beneficial time to come looking for uh, tax advice, um, unless it's just one remaining nagging question. Uh, the best time for to go for tax advice is throughout the year. The idea comes to your head, gee, he said something about charitable stock donations. I should probably talk to my accountant about that. That's as soon as the thought hits your head or as you're ready to make your charitable commitments for the year. Have that conversation. Talk about your portfolio, whatever it might be. Uh, plan out that giving. Uh, but throughout the year is best because when you get to the end of the year, it's, okay, what did I forget? That's when you look at your stock portfolio. I'll pick on that a minute. Uh, oh, I've got a few stocks that are losses. I better sell those before the end of the year. I'll get the deduction this year instead of next year. Uh, oh, I'm a little short on my tithing for the year. I'm going to look in my portfolio or or whichever uh, and make those last-minute uh, donations. Um, for those with uh, uh, 
temple commitments. Very often uh, our Jewish friends make their temple dues for next year in December. So that kind of gets a head start on the deduction. They get the deduction. It's deduction bunching. Uh, and, and that is exactly what we call it, is sometimes you'll get better benefit. This was a good income year. I'm going to give more. Well, okay, I'll give more and get better deduction because this year I'm in a higher tax bracket than I normally am. Um, and that ends up working well for a lot of people. All right. And uh, what about uh, lifetime giving, estate planning giving? Is that oh, a, that's a, another good, great one. Uh, you know you're going to give to charity, but you don't want to run out of money before you pass, so you put the charity into your will. Uh, one of the things that's uh, a, a good hedge against the estate tax is uh, the estate, when figuring the value of your assets for the year, or for your life, rather, at, as of the time that you died, uh, you get a full deduction for the charitable bequests that are in your will. So you set aside some fraction of your estate to go to your desired charities. That reduces the estate tax burden. All right. And uh, do you, uh, for, for doing those kinds of things, you, you usually work with lawyers uh, as Absolutely. well? Absolutely. I would never do an estate plan without your lawyer and your accountant, both of whom hopefully are qualified in estate matters. All right. And... Uh, do you have any other last words for what people should do to save on their taxes? There, There's a few other, uh, for those looking for more complex mat, uh, issues of keeping some and giving some, there's uh, options where, with charitable remainder trusts where you give, uh, set up some assets into a trust uh, to set you up for while you're alive and the remainder goes to the charity upon your demise. Uh, there's uh, more elaborate devices than that even. So it's a function of what does your estate look like? How complicated do you want it to be? Um, ah, can't forget the donor-advised funds for those that don't really want to do the private foundation, want to give money today, but they haven't found the charity yet. Uh, well, well, we'll have to have you back to talk about donor-advised funds on another occasion. But we really appreciate your coming in. Uh, Joe, how can our listeners learn more about you and Michael Silver and Company, and the tax and accounting services you provide? Uh, you can look to our website, www.msco.net. You can email me at joer, that's J-O-E-R, at msco.net, or call me at the office, 847-213-2105. Thanks, Joe. If you have a legal need or question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com, M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Malkin Baker is a Christian law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals with their legal needs. Somebody, yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody.